I love you version. You version's fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. It's great to see you guys. Always wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, awesome faces. Um, we have started a sermon series called Ohio for Jesus, um, kind of coinciding with um, this future plant. Actually, I'm going to steal this. This future a 10-year plan for um, AG churches uh, to plant churches, raise up uh, leaders, disciple people. And so it's an, it's an audacious plan of, of just the, the kingdom of God advancing. And so we're just kind of just kind of stirring our hearts and just kind of like as a part of that movement, wanting to reproduce ourselves. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for Ohio for Jesus. We thank you for how amazing you are. We thank you for your presence this morning. It's just been an honor to be in your presence, that you show up and love on us. And God, you're not afraid of our shortcomings and failures and, and flaws, yet you draw near. Thank you, Father. And thank you for speaking to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about, uh, I guess there's not really a title for this message, but I'm going to be talking about, um, I guess I would call it the four S's of spiritual growth if you wanted to title it, even though I didn't title it. The four S's of spiritual growth. Four S's. No, she's trying to be like me. <laughs> I didn't go acrostic. I didn't go acronym. I can make, I can, anybody can make letters be the same faith, okay? It's okay. Anybody can do it. It's not a Pastor Joy thing. Faith is, I love, I love faith. It is great having you with us this weekend, Faith. We're just delighted to have you. Um, so uh, I just want to, uh, as we start, I just want to kind of talk about um, just kind of being a pillar uh, because uh, this whole thing, Ohio for Jesus, and talking about spiritual growth, it's where you go from where you begin your spiritual journey to where you're actually making a difference and impacting people's lives. And the Lord really wants to make us a pillar. Look at your neighbor and say pillar. pillar. He wants to make you a pillar. And what a pillar is, is a pillar is a person or a thing regarded as reliable, uh, providing essential support for something. So it's a person or a thing. Okay, obviously the word of God is a pillar, right? It's reliable. It's a thing that's reliable, right? And the Lord wants to make us pillars that way we are reliable. Look at your neighbor say reliable. reliable. Have you ever been unreliable before? Of course you have, right? Have you ever had people in your life be unreliable? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, hopefully not a whole bunch, but you know, I mean, it happens in our life. Uh, but as we're walking in our faith and progressing and growing, the Lord wants to make us a pillar. And a pillar brings support, right? It brings that where it actually can uh, put some weight. If you, if you know anything about these right here, okay, uh, these are I-beams that are su that's supporting the weight of the structure of this facility, right? The, the roof and, and set, all, this is, all of these pillars all of the weight, the top weight is all being supported on this. This is a pillar, right? I mean, it, it, it looks nice in maybe a cathedral, not so nice in here, but, you know, we make it work, okay? A person is a pillar, someone who is tough enough to allow the weight to lean on it. Have you ever had a time when there was weight that was leaning on you and you felt like you were going to break, Right? We, I think we all have. I think we've, we've all come to that point where, man, you just feel the weight of life, the weight of responsibility, maybe the weight of your family, and it's just like you feel like, I just can't hold it anymore. Well, well you know, the, the builders build the structural integrity of these things so that when the weight is heavy, and you think when you put snow and ice and everything else that pulls more weight on it, they're not going to crumble. And in the same context, the Lord wants to build this thing inside of us. That when the weight of life and the weight of family and the weight of this and the weight of that comes on us, we don't break as well. That's right. Okay? Good. Peter uses this illustration in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 
4 through 6, he uses illustration and he uses this word spiritual stones. And he says this. He says, you are coming to Christ. It'll be up on the screens. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. So he's saying Jesus is the cornerstone, right? The chief cornerstone. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God with great honor. Verse 5, and you, okay, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. So God wants to make us spiritual living stones that he actually builds the kingdom of God upon. Right? It's pretty cool, huh? So he wants to make you a pillar. So go to the next slide here, or um, go, to, go to the little picture here. It's like a little picture of like little, have you ever seen like a stone wall like this? Like it's, I, you know, they're obviously very creative. The thing that I like about, you know, when you think of like maybe like a brick wall, you know, a lot of times like brick walls will have like the same, they look the same, you know, they're all, you know, one shape, one cut, you know, and it's like, you know, it looks all uniform. But I would say if when God's building the kingdom of God, if he's building, it's for us, it's going to look something a little bit more like this. Because how you look is not going to be how somebody, else is, how somebody else looks. Your walk is not going to be someone else's walk. And so when he's building the kingdom of God, when he's calling us spiritual stones, it can look something like this. Where we're all going to look different. But we're all together. And what's, that, what's the thing that, that brings all of, the, all of the, the stones together? It's Jesus. Absolutely. Right? It might be mortar in, in, on the wall, but it's Christ that brings us all together so that he can, together we build the kingdom of God together. Say together, together. we build the kingdom build together, right? It's a together thing. It's not just you building the kingdom by yourself. It's not just Pastor Joy out here by yourself. It's not just vision ministries. It's vision ministries or, or vision church and Calvary and all of the churches and all of the people of God throughout the whole city of Toledo, throughout the whole state of Ohio, throughout the whole world, all together building the kingdom of God together. We're called the bride of Christ. You guys following? And you guys said that in unison. That was kind of impressive. They're like, yes. Yes. We together are the body of Christ, building the kingdom of God together. Can I believe that the Lord wants to lean on us? I believe he wants to lean on you. I believe he wants to lean on me. Remember that old song back in the day? Yeah. Lean on me, right? When you're not strong, right? And so what is that? It's a, it's a, it's a song that's, that's kind of letting people know, hey, when you're going through something, you, you can trust me. I'll be there for you. And so there's this song that we used to sing back when I first got saved. We used to sing it to kids. Leaning on the Lord's side. And we used to sing this song. Anybody remember that song? Yeah. You don't. No, no hands go up. That's okay. Uh, I lean, I lean. We used to do these little leaning things. Because, you know, obviously when we go through troubles, when we go through hard hardships, when we go through difficulty, what do we do? We lean in, right? Hopefully that's what we do, right? When we're going through things, it's like you, you hold on tighter. You lean in. You lean into the Lord. I mean, that's what happened with Job. I was just, uh, just reading as we were worshiping. I was just reminded of Job chapter 1 and how he lost everything. I mean, think of this. In the single day, when you ever, if you've ever heard of the worst case scenario, that was Job. That was Job chapter 1. Seriously, that, the worst case scenario. Think of the worst thing you could possibly go through, that was him. Because he lost all of his children, all of his livestock, all of his servants, all of his, everything that he possibly owned uh, was taken from him in a single day. And it wasn't even spread out. It was like as the, as the person was coming and informing him, while they were still speaking, somebody came in. And, somebody, and so he lost everything in a single day, say worst case scenario. And you know what he did? The Bible says that he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell and worshiped. And he said, naked did I come, naked will I go, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so what did he do? He leaned into the Lord when he lost everything. And the scripture says he did not sin, nor did he uh, do wrong by, by saying that God did something wrong. And how often do we go through things and go through difficulties where maybe stuff's happening, and then we're like, God, why is this? What? And, and the scripture said that Job, that he did not uh, blame God for wrongdoing. And I believe it's one of the accounts why it's in the scripture to show us that, man, you can lose absolutely everything and you don't even have to do anything wrong. Right? It was the devil who said, have you considered my servant Job? God wasn't looking to punish him. 
I love this little picture of uh, of the peanuts, Charlie Brown. A friend is someone you can lean on. The Lord calls us his friend, right? And part of the process of us becoming his friend is is he has to see that we're faithful in being a servant. And then he'll want to lean on us because we partner with God in building the kingdom of God. Do you know that? You guys with me? Awesome. It is uh, when, he, when the Lord wants to lean on us, what he wants to do is he wants to give us the responsibility of the gospel message, right? He wants to give us that uh, and see people turn from their sins and turn to God from, from, uh, you know, from darkness into light with grace, forgiveness, salvation. The scripture says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, many of us know this, and there is uh, salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven um, given among men by which we must be saved. That's the gospel. He wants to entrust that message to us. He wants to entrust, he wants to lean on us with his gospel so that we share the gospel with others so that they can be saved, right? The Bible says that he wishes that none should perish. And how that happens is he's already paid the price. And then he's presented us with the opportunity to partner with him in his kingdom and share the gospel so that others can be with him forever. And not only just that, I mean, the gospel is more than just eternal, you living with Christ. But man, it's the blessings of living with Christ here on earth, which is beautiful. I mean, it's just it's amazing. I mean, come on. It's just there's no other, no other name like him. We're just singing that earlier today. God wants to make us a pillar. And so when I think of that, I think of uh, Solomon's temple. Do you guys remember Solomon's temple? Solomon's temple was described as having these two huge pillars. And they were so big that they actually were named. The one was named Jachin, which means he shall establish. And his other, the other pillar was named Boaz, which means in him is strength. So it's interesting that in the Old Testament, there was a foreshadowing of the New Testament that they actually personified these pillars with names. Because in the New Testament, he said he wants, he wants to build the kingdom of God and that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple and that he's going to use people to actually build and lean upon. Are you guys catching that? It's pretty cool, huh? I think it's awesome. And that God dwells not in just a building like he did in the Old Testament, but God now dwells in hearts. And so I just think it's beautiful. God wants to lean on us, right? And he wants to make us pillars. So let's go on, to the, on into this. That was just my little beginning. We're going to go into the four S's of spiritual growth. And so we'll keep it real simple, real sweet. It'll all start with S. Our very first, so it'll be the four S's of spiritual growth. Surrender, seek, share, serve. Number one, friends, surrendering our life, and I underlined it, fully to God. Surrendering our life fully. You know, have you ever, um, I remember this cartoon back in the day. Uh, it's called Garfield. You guys ever remember that? Yeah. It's good. Well, uh, Garfield loved lasagna. And, um, and, and so as he would eat lasagna, if he would like sometimes cut a piece and then take the rest, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I just, so I, I just kind of think about this and I think about our hearts and I think about how, you know, maybe we, maybe we cut out a piece of our heart and we only give him a piece, right? Or maybe we cut it in half and maybe we only give the Lord half. And I can't, I can't measure that. Only you can measure that. Uh, you know, how much of the Lord have you allowed? Have you allowed him to live fully? Have you surrendered fully? For some people, it's immediate, man. When they surrender to the Lord, it's like all of it. I'm just going full throttle all I can give. And in some people, it's a process. And maybe it's a process because you haven't, you know, you've been burnt so many times. And maybe there's just some struggles that's really difficult for you to go. And that's fine. The Lord knows, right? <laughs> when he, when he uh, died on the cross and, and, and uh, the scripture says, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't think that he was like, oh man, you know, so-and-so is not going to fully Sir, so, uh, you know, we're just going to give up on him. No, knowing that that person, that through that process, that, that they would trust in the Lord and see how good he is, that they could fully yield themselves to him. So surrendering our lives fully to God. And that's what, that's what the Lord has called uh, us as a church to preach is the fullness of the gospel so that we don't have people that are just, you know, they're putting uh, on a form of godliness into denying the power or that are acting like they're all in, but they're not. But no, but, but there truly are sons and daughters who have fully committed. 
How would it be if I just committed to my wife Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday was my day? <laughs> you should see the look on her face. <laughs> what, if, what if I stood before her, said I do, only Monday through Friday? <laughs> but Saturday and Sunday are my day. Right? <laughs> How, what, what kind of marriage, how would that work out as a, as a marriage relationship? That, that just doesn't cut it, right? When you stand in front of that person that you have committed yourself to, you commit yourself fully to them. They commit themselves fully to you. You put that ring on, which means that I'm choosing this one lover and no other. And you do that before each other. You do it before God. It's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful that God calls it holy matrimony, right? It's so, and, 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 and in the fact that it actually represents the relationship that God has with the church. And so when, so when you go into that uh, with, with a full commitment, then you're actually receiving the full blessing that God designed. And so you have people that are only committed half, you know, or partial or maybe three quarters of their life to the Lord. And they're missing the full blessing of what it is to, to live fully yielded to God. And I'm telling you, friends, uh, there's nothing on this world if you have to, if the Lord's called you to crucify it or lay it down. There's nothing on this world worth you holding on to that God cannot re uh, replace or give you better. Guarantee. Somebody said, I know that right over there. Amen. Come on. So what does that look like? You know, basically, you're handing your keys over to God. So when you fully surrender, it's like your car is like, your life is like a car. And you, you know, we used to, we used to sing that song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Remember that? Was it Carrie? Was it Carrie Underwood? Right? I mean, everybody was in love with that song. We're like, Jesus, take the world. It's just kind of a fun picture of you driving a car and, and you're asking the Lord to take over driving the car. See, now sometimes people sing that song, but they want to still sit in the driver's seat. Because when the Lord's not turning the way they want to turn, they can grab the wheel real quick and they can turn it back the way they want to turn it. And so you're saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Sounds good. You're still sitting in the driver's seat. So I used to say this. I say, you know what? It might be good for you if Jesus is taking the wheel for you to sit in the passenger seat. You know, just, just like let the Lord drive the car. Problem is still in the passenger seat. How many of us know there are backseat drivers? <laughs> okay, if you've ever been blessed with a backseat driver or a side seat driver... Right, right. They're the ones with the keys. They're the ones with the wheel. They're the ones that's driving, but you're next to them and you're instructing them on how they can drive better. So my wife says only when she needs to save her life. So let's just say, so let's just say, okay, so you said, so you said, let's just say here, let's use both of these just because it's make it easier for me. So let's say this is the driver's seat here. You said, Jesus, take the wheel. You actually got off the seat. You let Jesus sit there and then you're sitting here next to him. <laughs> and and there's times, right, where maybe you, maybe you don't like Jeremy. Let, let Jeremy Jesus drive me. You can come be Jesus, Jeremy. Come sit next to me. You can be my Jesus for a moment. Just real quick, just for this illustration. So, okay, so this is Jesus. I've given him the keys of my life, right? So he's driving, right? So most of us know how many, most of us know the fastest way to get any place, Right? Always, right? It doesn't matter. Like, we know the fastest way. But understand this. The Lord doesn't do work in us through shortcuts. A lot of times, the Lord will take the long cut. <laughs> How many times have you ever taken the long cut? See, that's, we had to rename that. That's when Josh Hester's driving not the shortcut, but he's driving the long cut, which is the longer way. So we're sitting here in the passenger seat, and we know the destination that we're supposed to go. But for some reason, the driver's not going the way we want to go. So why didn't you turn here? Why didn't you turn there? Uh, the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, this way's faster. You know, you can bypass, you know, there's construction over here. Why don't you turn around and go this way? Do we start, have you ever been in a place where maybe you was questioning God and the, and the way God was doing work in your life? You're sitting in the passenger seat. He's driving. You've given him full, but still, you're still trying to tell him what to do. <laughs> or asking, God, why is it like this? Why is it like that? I like to illustrate it like this, and I don't know how good this is. You know, in, in, in some cases, 
because we're so strong-willed, right? Any strong-willed people in here? Right? We got an opinion about everything. It's better to let Jesus drive. You get out of the passenger seat. Just go ahead and put yourself right in the trunk <laughs> because that is, that way, <laughs> that way he can do the work in your life and you're not trying to tell him what to do. And think about this. Think of faith. Faith is you, you know, it's, it's something that's unseen. And if you were, you know, in, thank you so very much, Jeremy, that was perfect. If you were in a place where you didn't see everything, it would cause you to fully trust in him, right? So I guess kind of a, in a spiritual context, if we're surrendering our life fully to God and we're saying, Jesus, take the wheel, I'm going to say, put yourself on a, in a spiritual context in the trunk. Let him drive. Let him have full reign of the vehicle. And, and, and that way you can just trust him and you may not know where he's taking you, but you're trusting in him and you know that he's going to take you, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? Come on. You guys still with me? <laughs> and surrendering to God may look different for different people, depending on their life and situation. For me, uh, when I surrendered my life to God, it was surrendering a life of drugs and alcohol and sexual uh, promiscuity. Uh, for somebody else, um, I know a man who, when he surrendered his life to God, what that looked like for him was, was he owned a liquor store and in the process of, of owning many liquor stores. And so th the way they surrendered was they sold the liquor store and got rid of that and got out of that life. That was, that was their way of surrendering. I know another person who the way surrender, what surrender looked like for them was they owned a construction business and it was a successful business and they felt the call to the mission field. And so they sold their construction business to, to go on, on the mission. I'm just saying surrender looks so different to so many different people because what surrender is, is the Lord looks at what's in there and he asks, can I have it? Luke chapter 19, verse one through 10. And this is what's so crazy. What's so crazy is, is there's a, there's a, a scripture where it says, um, there was a rich ruler, and I'm going to just give, preface this before we read Luke 19. There was a rich ruler, and the rich ruler came up to the Lord and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you know, and he gives him, you know, obey your father and mother and do all this other stuff. And he said, I've done all of these since I was, uh, since I was a youth. What more do I lack? And I could just see Jesus looking at him and looking into his heart and seeing what's there. He said, sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. We know, that we know what happened, right? The scripture says... That the man left sad because of his many possessions. What did the Lord do? He saw what was the idol in this man's life. And he challenged that thing. And he wasn't willing to give it up. Right? That's why it says many are called but few are chosen. Are you going to choose to fully surrender? <laughs> man, I'm preaching. Come on, <laughs> I'm just, man, thank you, Lord. You know, because none of this is in my notes and you just like hear the Lord like, thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I want to read this because this is beautiful. Uh, this is uh, the account of Zacchaeus. Verse number 1. It says, So entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. That's where you get the song, Zacchaeus, we little man, we little man is he. Okay, just, just a little guy. It's okay. Okay. Watch how, watch how the Lord honors this little guy. It's so beautiful. Yeah, this was just a little guy. It's okay. Luke checked. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Verse 5. When he saw Jesus coming to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay in your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Love that. Verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. Wow. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is 
a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Isn't it amazing, in one account, God would tell the rich young ruler, sell all of your possessions and come follow me. And in this account, you have Zacchaeus, he sells half of his possessions. And the Lord says salvation comes into this house today. Because friends, it isn't about the amount, it's always about the heart. And the Lord, right, the Lord saw the transformation of this man's heart. And so this is why I'm talking about surrendering fully to God. Because what does that look like? It's going to look different. It looked different to Zacchaeus as it did the rich and ruler. It looked different for me as it did in Pastor Joy. So full surrender is going to look totally different in the context of your life. Okay? We all surrender. Now, now, mind you, we all surrender the selfish, sinful nature. We all do that. That's the one thing we all do. But what does that look like as far as your life and, and what God has called you to do and live? Okay? Uh, usually God, again, I already said this, he will challenge whatever that thing is that's an idol in our life. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so that's what surrender is. Surrendering is being crucified with Christ, living that life that's not about you, but it's about Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, says this. Because this is what surrendering is. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are formed by your hand. He's the, clay, he's the potter, right? And what, where does the clay tell the potter what to form? Doesn't, right? So in what right do we have to tell God what to do in our life? Let him do what he wants to do. If he knows the plans, I guarantee you they're good. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says this. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give yourself away. Or excuse me, or another translation would say, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, for the sake of the gospel, you will save it. So the Lord actually asks you to give up your life. Another, another uh, scripture will say, for what would a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so, so full surrender to the Lord is you giving yourself away. Just like we sing that song. Give yourself away. Give your, give, just yield yourself fully to him. You guys sit with me? So number one is surrendering our life fully to God. And then number two is seek God through the word and prayer. The word obviously is the Bible. The second part is following Jesus. Like I said, this is real simple. Simple S's. Keep it simple. No profound mysteries here, friends. He told his disciples, come follow me. It's funny that he didn't say, just believe in me. The Bible says that the, even the demons believe and shudder. So, right, there's a lot of people that even, right, most uh, Muslims believe in Jesus, right? Even in their own, uh, in their own Quran, it says to, you know, to listen to the teachings of Jesus, right? So they believe that he existed, that he was a prophet, okay? But Jesus never asked to just believe in me. He said, come follow me. And so and that's where a lot of times people have a hard time because maybe we don't like seeing Jesus in the driver's seat taking us where he wants to take us. Because it might not look like the life we thought. But I'm telling you this, the life that he has you is of peace and joy and there's nothing like it. Even if, it, even if your concept of what you've seen and what God actually does is totally different. And then you have to figure out whether you're going to be offended at God by that. That's Because I think, I think he challenges that too. Are you going to be offended at what God does in your life? Psalms 119, verse 9 and 11. And as we're turning there, this is the thing. We got to read the Bible. We got to pray. These are the things that change our hearts and ultimately changes our lives. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11 says this. This is why it's so important for us to know the word of God. It said, how can, young, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? My friends, my friends, my friends. Today, today, it is more difficult for young people to be pure today than it ever was in any part of history. 
But the Lord's called us to it. And not just young people. I, I, I'm, I know he's addressing young people because he talks about, you know, young lust and young passion. How can a young person, how can any person stay on the path of purity? By living according to what? Your word. His word. I seek you with all my heart. I do not let my stray from your command. So he's, you know, he's seeking the Lord. And then this is the beautiful, this is the key. This is the clincher. Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you find yourself continually sinning against the, against the Lord, then you know what you need to do is you need to begin to, to challenge your heart and start putting the word of the Lord in your heart so that when temptation comes, you actually can fight against it because his word is in there. That's probably the only way you could do that because in your own strength, you're not strong enough. In Josh Hester's own strength, he's not strong enough. Jesus, how he defeated Satan in temptation was through the word. Come on, if Jesus did it, it's good for us. <laughs> if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Seek God through the word and through prayer. I mean, like I said, this is just simple stuff, guys. Um, we just sometimes just got to reiterate some of that stuff. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If, if, I should have highlighted that. If you seek him with all of your heart, all of your soul. What this reminds me of, it reminds me of an old illustration that I used to uh, do with our kids when we were kids ministers. Have you ever had like a po pocket full of change, you know, and maybe you went up to a, a cash register and so you're paying with cash, which most people don't do anymore because we're all swiping our cards. But remember the day when you used to carry a big old wad of change in your pocket and you pull out, you know, some dollar bills. Well, sometimes if you had like a big wad of bills and change, you pull out of your pocket and you guys would have change just kind of fall on the ground. Remember when you like maybe you have a few pennies fall, right? Maybe a dime, you know, there's nickel, you know, there's like, you know, you just have like money fall. So question. So like if you had like a bunch of change fall now, now if you're, if you're old school, you're going to go probably get all of it. But if you're me and I'm an Xer, I don't care about the pennies. Pennies can stay there. What am I going to go after? I'm going to go after the nickels and the dimes or quarters, right? Because in my mind, a penny really is of no value, right? I mean, how many times have you dropped pennies? I mean, you can't even buy anything with a penny. Remember when you used to be able to buy stuff with pennies? You can't do that no more. That does that up to dollars. But I'm just saying, from my perspective, and I'm being transparent, you know, a penny that was in my pocket, I don't care about. So I'm not going to go bend over. I'm not going to chase after it. But if I drop a quarter, I'm going to go after it. Why? Because in my heart, a penny really, a few pennies, is of no value. And in some context, people's spiritual walk is of little value, and they're not chasing after the things. I mean, think of this. I mean, I mean, Jesus gave this illustration. He talked about the lost coin. He talked about the hidden treasure. He talked about all these things, and he compared it to the kingdom of God. For, so, for so, some people coming to church, their relationship with God is like that penny you dropped. You know what? I dropped it. It's okay. I'm living my life. I'm okay. It really isn't that valuable to me. Hopefully your relationship with God is more like a dime or a nickel. Something that you're actually say, I see some value in this and I need to go pick that back up. I mean, think of this. If you dropped a hundred dollar bill and it was to be whooshed away by the wind, would you chase it? Absolutely. Why? Because that is of greater value in your, in your, in your brain. But actual, the actual substance of a piece of paper and a piece of, of metal, is it really more valuable? No. We've placed value on that piece of paper just like we placed value on this little piece of metal. And some of us need to place more value on the kingdom. You guys sit with me? Hebrews chapter 11. Mm -mm, we're moving along. Moving along. I got a lot of scripture. We're doing great in time. Hebrews 11, chapter uh, 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So friends, if you want to please the Lord, you got to have faith. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards. Ooh, God's got presents and rewards for you. Those who earnestly seek him. Remember when I talked about the pennies? Talked about the... Dimes, nickels. I remember when, um, when I was a kid's pastor and at the end of service or different things we'd do, we'd take and we'd like throw candy out and you'd see these kids like beat each other up to run up to get, you know, 
a starburst or whatever, whatever the candy was, you know, now and later and whatever, you know, Tootsie Rose, you know, because they were earnestly, they wanted that candy, right? That word earnest is so cool. That word earnest means with sincere or intense conviction. It means fervent. It means intense. It means purposeful. It means ambitious. It means ardent. It means eagerly. So, so let's just take this into context, friends. The scripture says that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly, fervently, intensely, purposely, ambitiously, ardently, and eagerly seek him. That has to do with passion. That's not like a flippant kind of, well, I guess I'm going to read the Bible today because I'm supposed to. No, it's like, man, I'm going to get into the word of God because it's, gonna, it's going to satisfy my soul. And not only is it going to satisfy my soul supernaturally, I'm empowering myself with the word of God. So when I face temptation, that word of God is in there and it's going to be activated so that I can fight off the devil. Amen. Amen. Number three. Sticking with the S's. Number one, share our life fully to God, or excuse share. Surrender our life fully to God. I was looking at number three. Surrender our life fully to God. Number two, seek the Lord. Seek God through word and prayer. Number three, share your faith. Share your faith. We need to come to a place where we're not afraid to bring up God in conversations. That's right. Can't be afraid. Maybe you have this thing in your, in your mind where you think, that, you know, you have to be like this certain type of way or you got to do it this certain type of style. The thing that I've realized in 20 years of ministry, that some of the most fruitful sharing of our faith happens in conversations with people. Where you build a relationship with a person, they realize you care about them, and then you, because of your relationship and interaction with them, you, you begin to share your faith. You begin to share the gospel with them. Now, so now, there's this whole belief now in our culture that you can't share your faith because it's private and it's only for you. And that if you're doing that, that you're like obtruding their life, which is absolutely preposterous and ridiculous. And that's against the word of the Lord. But if you're sharing your faith and you, you can always tell when somebody doesn't want to hear it, right? I mean, you can tell, like you don't have to bash them over the head. You don't have to, you know, continually like slam them with it, if they're, if they're not, you know, if they don't want to hear it. I believe the Lord will give us seasons and times. And so there may be a time, maybe there's a coworker that you're working with. And maybe you've, maybe you've tried to share some of your testimony. Maybe you've, maybe you've preached the gospel to them. Maybe you've invited them to church. Maybe you've done stuff like that. And there's just, there really hasn't been any connection. Like they just not turn on. That's not their stuff. But there may become a time where they're going through a difficult situation and you're there for them. And you say this, because I'll tell you what, there's nothing like this. You say, how can I pray for you? Even if they don't believe in God, just the fact that you want to do something, God will meet. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it over and over. I've seen over and over where hardened hearts have been met in a place of prayer. And God is just right there, just met with them right there. <laughs> because God knows, right? I mean, he knows. And so we cannot be afraid to engage in conversations. I believe the Lord is going to give us opportunities to speak hope and life and peace and encourage people in their situations and strengthen them because that's what the gospel message is for, right? Right? It's for salvation. It's for it's joy. It's for peace. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because I believe the enemy, one of the things he wants to do is make you afraid and ashamed, like embarrassed by it. It's a fear, and it's a, uh, it's a tactic of the enemy. And, I mean, have you, I mean have, you ever been, have you ever been in a place where you almost felt embarrassed? I think all of us go through a time where maybe you're kind of embarrassed of your faith in a situation. I think all of us may go through that. And I believe that that's just right there. Being, we're, we're challenged by this verse. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to Jew, then to Gentile. It's the power of salvation. Usually fear is the wall that we need to knock down, the threshold that we have to cross and pass, and God will do it. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Sharing our faith. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Psalm 96, verse 3. You know, maybe you're like, well, I don't know the word of God. I don't know how to preach. 
Psalm 96, verse 3, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deed among the people. How about you just start telling people what God's doing? (laughs) Can I tell you what God's been doing in my life? Can I tell you something that the Lord did in me? Right? I mean, that's not you telling them what they need to do. You're just sharing what God's doing in you. Psalm 105, verse 1, it says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done. That's That's preaching the gospel. Let me tell you what God has done. <laughs> Let me tell you what God has done in my life. You know, when I was working at, when I was working at uh, FedEx for, for a number of years, and I was working alongside people when we are inside these, these trailers, um, I, would, I would just begin to ask the person about their life. I wouldn't even tell them about me or that I was, you know, uh, uh, a kid's pastor or any of that type of stuff. And, and I would just, you know, you know hey, man, you know, and, and we'd sit there for, for, for a good portion, they'd tell me all about what's going on in their life. You know, I'd find out all the information. And they'd say, well, what about you? You know, and I would just say, and I would just start sharing. Well, let me just tell you about what God's done in my life. And I never preached to anybody. I just, I just begin to share. And out of that, you would see where people, there were some people that were just like, okay, they would want to shift the conversation to something else. Or some people that would just, they'd be really interested in what you had to say. And from that place, you know, I just think it's like a soft pitch for you to be able to, you know, Share the gospel and what God wants to do in their life. And so just, you know, proclaiming his name, making known among the nations what he's done. And that's all I did. Let me just tell you what God has done in my life. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So sharing the gospel is not being ashamed of the gospel. Right? Declaring his glory, making known what he's done, making disciples. And then finally, number four, right? I said the four S's, right? Surrender, seek, share, and serve the church and the lost. You know that uh, people who come uh, to faith uh, from Islam, there's usually two things that are like the defining factors in what causes them to come to Christ. Number one is they usually have a supernatural encounter with God whether through dream, God speaks to them, like visions and all this other stuff in a supernatural context. And the other way is they see how, they actually see what it means for a true follower of Christ who actually loves them. And it, so like they're, uh, by serving someone else, you know, and not being afraid, well, well, they're this or they're that. That's why I said, serve the church and the lost. Because we got to do both, right? You got to serve the community of God. And when I'm saying the church, I'm not just talking about vision. I'm talking about the church, right? I mean, there's tons of things that are going on in our city. You know, you can go serve. You know, there's tons of uh, outreaches and benevolent programs and stuff. You can do that. I mean, we have Vision Kitchen over in South Toledo. Um, If you've never served there before, I just challenge you to try it sometime because it's beautiful, right? I mean, we literally are, are a, you know, multi-ethnic, multi-campus church that has multi-things going on uh, in different locations. And so it's beautiful, right? So ser- serve, uh, serve, serve the Lord through his people, right? I mean, n- numerous scripture talking about serving the people of God. We're called to do that. And then also serving the lost, okay? It's important because, friends, in order for us to be pillars, we have to serve. It's important for our spiritual growth that we get plugged in and, be, and use uh, to serve God is people and serve the lost. Okay, Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So he's saying, use your freedom to serve. Use the freedom that he's given you to serve. And I love how it says, serve one another humbly in love. Right? Don't be serving people and be like, look what I'm doing. I'm serving, putting it all over Instagram. Right? That's not serving humbly. Right? It's serving boastfully. That's why I think sometimes the scripture where it talks about do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You can go serve and don't post it for everybody to see. See how good you are at serving everybody. Okay? Amen. Serve one another humbly in love. The scripture says, and this is what's so scary with our social media and stuff. The scripture says when he's talking about the Pharisees and how they were doing all their righteous deeds in front of people. It says they've received the rewards in full. I don't want all my rewards to be here on earth, which is accolades by man. Somebody give me a... a a pat on the back and a thumbs up. Look at what Pastor Josh is doing. I want treasure in heaven, friends. And so in order for that to happen, we got to be humble. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. 
When we was over at South Toledo, I used to always say, Francis Morgan's the greatest in this church. Because he's the greatest servant. <laughs> he is, still, is. still serving over there. Yep. No title, no accolades. Sometimes you bought him a meal here and there. Serving Jesus. Right? Because the greatest among you will be your servant. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. A few more scriptures, we're going to close. It says, love must be sincere. I love this. Oh, I love this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Right? Hate. Hate what is evil. Don't hate evil people, but hate evil. Right? Hate that. Like, you know, you, you see, you know, you know, don't hate people that are racist. Hate racism. You know, don't hate, uh, you know, um, I don't know other things. You know, people that are uh, abusive. You know, hate, hate that spirit behind that. You know, hate evil. Hate that. Okay? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh my goodness. We can end right there. I want to honor myself above everyone else. No, honor others above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal. Ooh. What's zeal? It's that passion, that fervor, that fire. But keep your spiritual fervor, or blah, blah, blah. keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I was S's and F's was getting them all confused. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Why? Because if when you start, when you let that fire grow out, then you become bitter. Keep that fire. Keep that passion. I don't ever want to grow old and grow cold. Some of my some of my uh, greatest heroes are the ones that were uh, old, older in their in their life and yet still had passion. I, I don't know how many of you guys ever met, uh, we called her Mama uh, Mullins, Mama Juanita Mullins. She was 80 years old and the fiery spitfire uh, that you've ever seen in, in an old lady. And I tell you, I was absolutely admired by, by how she lived her life because she was old and she was always talking about all the pain that she's going through and all the struggle that she, and she was like, Pastor Joy, I got to tell you, I got to praise him today. I mean, her fire and passion. Like, I want to be like that. I don't want to be one of those old grumps sitting back, folded arms, looking at what everybody else is doing and saying, hmm. Right? I don't want to grow old and grow cold. I don't want to grow old and grow grumpy. I want to keep my spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people, all who are in need, practice hospitality. This is the summing up the gospel right here. Summing up our life of what we're called to do. I love how it says love must be sincere. Man, don't put on this fake like you love people. Actually do something. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. The only way that you can truly be devoted to one another in love is by you being fully yielded to God. Because you don't have the capacity in your own Ability to love people the way that God's called you to love them. Because for me, without Christ, my love is selfish. My love is what I can get from you, not necessarily what I can give to you. But Christ changed my whole life and gave me, right, love that's not of this world and actually expanded my capacity to love and showed me what unselfish love looks like so that I can actually love sincerely and being devoted to other people in love. And what is being devoted to one another in love? That means when they're going through a difficulty, it means we're alongside them, right? We're talking about leaning, right? Like that little thing, leaning on the Lord's side or leaning on a friend. Because sometimes when people are going through things, we may not know how to deal with that, or maybe we come across a little judgy, and so we don't actually aren't devoted to them and walk with them through the process of whatever trial they may be going through. Ooh, sorry. I'm sorry for all of this, but this is just, I mean, come on, friends. I just believe the Lord is calling us up. He's calling us to be pillars. He's calling us to be these men and women that are shining bright in a dark world. God has great things in store for us. Friends, and this journey of faith is awesome. And I just pray that we're encouraged in knowing that God has called us to surrender fully to him, to seek him through the word and prayer, right? To share our faith and not be afraid of the gospel, to serve the church and serve the lost. And friends, we're, again, this, this whole thing wraps into this whole process of winning Ohio for Jesus because the church needs to be full of people who are surrendered, who are seeking him, who are sharing their faith, 
who are serving God's people and serving the lost. Could you bow your heads with me, friends? Lord, we just come before you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I thank you that, God, when we come into your house, God, we're encouraged. We're encouraged by your presence being here. God, we're encouraged by your word that challenges our life. God, we're encouraged by your love and your affection towards us. And Lord, I thank you, God, let us never come to this place where we feel like we've arrived or we feel satisfied or we feel like we've got it all together or, or we start, uh, God, thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. But God, I pray that we would continue to have humble hearts. God, that we would see, Lord, your faithfulness throughout every course of our life. And Lord, I pray that, God, if, if there's anyone in here that are in, that are, it's in that process of, of maybe being in great need of you, Lord, I thank you for meeting each person right where they're at. Thank you, Father. God, we just love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, that God, that you are transforming us and making us like you. And if you're in this place and you feel like you want to fully surrender if you're tuning in online and you want to fully surrender yourself to the Lord, just do that right where you're at. No more holding back. Saving the best for last, right? We're living in the last days. Saving your best for today. The Bible says tomorrow's promise to no one. So why not fully yield and fully surrender? And as you do that, Father, I thank you that you will, God, fully live in us fully and fill hearts with joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God, fill hearts with your power, with your grace. God, fill hearts, God, with, with a love that is like no other. God, a love that, that uh, God, a peace that surpasses knowledge, your word says. I believe there's a love that surpasses what we can think. Or believe. God, fill our hearts with a love that's beyond our own ability to love because it's your love in us. It's not our love that we're trying to do in our own strength. God, fill us so that we can pour out, God. You've called us to serve. You've called us to seek. You've called us to surrender. And you've called us to share, Lord. So, Lord, I just bless every person that's in this room. Bless every person that's tuning in online. With more of you, Lord. Less of us, more of you. Lord, you've called us to a commission to win Waterville, Northwest Ohio, for Jesus. And that happens when your church is filled with men and women who are pillars whom you can lean upon. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' mighty name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.